Welcome to the Queer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Elise, and each week I'll be interviewing a queer person about their experiences in fitness and sports. This week, I interviewed myself, Elise Seifert, fitness podcaster, running and yoga enthusiast. To show your support for the show, visit patreon.com slash queerfitnesspod. With three different tiers, anyone can become a patron. There's bloopers every other week, bonus content from every episode, and you could have your name on every episode if you become a co-producer. Visit patreon.com slash queerfitnesspod. Yep, this is going to be weird because I'm interviewing myself, but here we go. Could you introduce yourself, your name, your queer identity, any other words or hobbies to describe you? Um, my name is Elise Seifert. I am a bisexual woman. Uh, she, her pronouns. Um, I'm, I just turned 26 and I am a fitness podcaster, audio tech enthusiast, and um, I also run and do some yoga. Yeah. What am I up to now? Um, I have been working on this podcast since uh, August, September time. Um, the Queer Fitness Podcast. I've been working on the Queer Fitness Podcast since August, uh, September last year. Um, I currently work like five part-time jobs and I am trying to find how fitness balances in with all of those um, because I have a lot of avenues for what I want to do with fitness. Um, yeah, I, I lift weights, I do yoga, I run, I hike, I bike commute. Um, I've been trying to do more bike commuting um, this year. Yeah, I think that's about what I'm up to. I'm going to do follow-up questions exactly the same way I do follow-up questions with a regular podcast. Tell me more about bike commuting. At the end of last year, I was looking up uh, my like eco statistics and my um, carbon footprint. I was looking at my carbon footprint and I drove a lot. I drove more miles than the average American. Um, and that's just for a multitude of reasons. I, I, dr I drive a lot for road trips um, I also drove a lot in 2018 because I drove across the country, but, um, in general, my miles tend to be higher because I, I do enjoy, enjoy driving for road trips. So I was looking at my carbon footprint and driving is something that I can cut down on. So I have set myself the goal of biking 5% of my total miles driven in 2019, in 20, in 2020, um, to cut down on my carbon footprint. So that for me, uh, calculates to just over 14 miles a week, which isn't too unreasonable. And yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> Let's talk about starting a podcast about fitness, um, about queer fitness. I said this in the first episode, but I think it actually went into bonus content. I wasn't I wanted to start a podcast for a while, but I wasn't expecting this to necessarily be the initial option, if that makes sense. Um, but I had been mulling over 
doing something else creative that used my audio tech and audio editing skills. Um, for a while, um, I have been listening to a podcast. Um, I'm very into film music. I would love to be writing film music. Uh, I got a degree in music composition. Um, so I listened to several podcasts about film music and I was wondering where my perspective could come into that um, or maybe writing, doing video essays about film music. Um, but I happened to be sort of in a lull with that. Uh, I mean, like a lull with music creatively. And I got a little bit more into fitness and lifting weights and, you know, sort of researching what my best option would be not would be, or like what works for me, I guess. Um, and looking up other female fitness influencers, YouTubers, or just sort of getting ideas. Um, and I realized that at least from my like initial search of best booty workouts on YouTube or whatever the heck, it was very much a heterosexual audience. Um, and the, these women specifically that I was looking for, um, fit into mainstream fitness and I needed to, or wanted to look for something else that, um, sort of queered fitness or did fitness differently, adjusting for every body type. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I found a couple people, but then I decided I was going to start this podcast because I know there are um, LGBT people in fitness. And I had heard, you know, read some news articles and some stories and that kind of thing. And um, and I wanted to be part of that atmosphere, that space. I got on Instagram and I found so much of a community um, from, you know, my first people that started following me and told me that this was a good idea from the start, um, from seeing people doing workouts at home or, um, just all different body types and diversity. Like it, it just overwhelmed me even in the first month of being on Instagram. Once the first episodes of the podcast started coming out and, um, but like I had support started finding a community of people that I could continue to ask um, about their lives and invite more people to be on the podcast. It's been a process. Um, I certainly have had things that were hard that I didn't expect would be hard in the way that they are. I go back and listen to my first episodes and I can tell how much I've improved with my interviewing skills. Um, and you know, that's really great, but it's also hard to see that my statistics still show that the first couple episodes are getting the most views because people want to go back and um, listen to those first couple episodes and get caught up. But really, you should start listening to the newest episodes because I feel like I am much better at follow-up questions. You know, I'm sort of much better at uh, guiding the conversation in a certain way or even or editing out my ums or whatever it is. The the newest episodes are, are, I'm constantly improving, even though, um, much of what I'm doing is the same. So it's, it's very, it's slow progress for me, but I can definitely see that I've improved. So that's, um, helpful for me to have motivation to keep going and keep improving. Um, 
even if it is slowly and I can't necessarily notice it between every episode, I definitely just want to keep hearing people's stories. You'll hear a little bit of my story today, but I am so interested in not only the like, um, the recent news in people's lives, but like how their background has influenced how they've come this far, you know? So I just, I want to continue to hear people's stories and ask, um, hard questions and hear about the struggle, but also the good times, you know, people's successes, all of it. Yeah. Did I do sports as a child? Um, I definitely did. Um, I started out, um, doing some swimming and ballet and moved into soccer. Um, swimming was always important for my parents. We live at the beach. I live currently, I live at the beach. Um, and getting started swimming early was important just for safety's sake. Um, yeah, so I've always been a strong swimmer, but I've never competed in that, just taken swimming lessons. Um, and then ballet was pretty short-lived, um, but there are some really cute photos of me in tutus. Um, and then I went and did soccer in elementary school. Um, and I distinctly remember picking flowers and doing handstands in the goalposts. <laughs> It wasn't very serious at all, nor was I super committed to soccer, but it was definitely an activity to be doing as a child. And then as we got further into elementary school, um, both my sister and I started doing gymnastics. Um, and I did gymnastics from elementary school into uh, seventh grade of middle school. So quite a long time time or it felt like at least when I was in middle school that I had been doing gymnastics forever but then you're a child and it's been half of your life um and uh I got up to the point in gymnastics right before I was about to join the the team that was at that gym and I really don't remember what (laughs) like they were numbered and stuff but um I was basically right before joining the team and I was told that I was um too big or too tall um and too rambunctious to be on or to be considered for this junior gymnastics team that was basically all um middle schoolers anyways and not that that came as a shock to me but it certainly was weird to hear something like that from an adult down to me, a seventh grader, um, because I was just having fun at gymnastics. I was learning all of the moves and all of the techniques, but I also had friends that were doing gymnastics with me and we would laugh and goof off sometimes, but they were definitely looking for a very specific type of girl that was very obedient and, um, uh, definitely skinnier than I was. Not that I was not skinny, but, um, like a very, they were looking for a very specific type of child, which is super weird. And I am really happy that I didn't continue doing gymnastics because after I was told that they were like, you can, you know, still come to classes and learn things. 
Um, but there really was no point for me to continue doing gymnastics after they told me I couldn't and wouldn't be allowed to be on the, their gym's team and compete. Um, so that was a thing. And then, um, and then, so after that, uh, my parents told me I needed to obviously keep doing, keep, stay active. And like any middle schooler, I was definitely concerned with my body image and all of that. So I started running, um, and I was very slow. Um, I, I distinctly remember running in middle school and looking at times for like, I don't know, even know like police training or getting onto the high school cross country team or things like this that had, um, seven, eight minute miles. And I was running something like an 11 or a 12 minute mile. Um, and just being so utterly, um, like sad that I, I was so slow. So I started running in seventh grade. Um, and then, um, in high school, I was in marching band, which not really a sport, but it took up a lot of my time. So I was running a little bit less. Um, and I changed high schools halfway through. I went to a residential high school for the second two years. Um, and there I joined the track and field team and, I don't know how I got convinced to do this, but it was like a friend of a friend. Um, and I, um, threw discus and shot put in high school for the second two years. And I, in my senior year of high school, I got the most improved plaque from, um, the track and field coach. Um, so that was really, really cool. And I definitely loved this. I, I certainly loved the sense of camaraderie that the track and field team had and my friends that were also throwing discus and shot put with me. You know, it was nice to have people to critique your form or a, a specific coach to help you there with your form, but that your sport was individual within the whole team and that it was really you versus you and you improving on you. So, and then those two years of high school when I was doing track and field, um, those were my first real, I would say, experiences in a gym setting um, because the other guys who were throwing discus and shot put um, were at least a little bit more in tune with how to build muscle and some of the things to do to help improve your general physique to help you throw um, farther. And so I did more in the gym in that period and felt, felt not conscious at all. And then, so if we keep going on my fitness journey and then after high school, I sort of had a lull as I entered college. I mean, I continued to run from seventh grade, um, until through the end of college. Um, obviously had, had troughs and hills in how much I was running, um, but running long distances had always been a constant um, source of um, like a meditative moment for me. Uh, I could get away from, especially especially at the residential college, um, I could get away from the campus and whatever was going on there, the stresses with um, people on campus, school, whatever. Um, I'd literally just run away and be in my own headspace and be in a different world. 
so I went to college, um, and continued to run, but that was like the only thing I was doing. Um, and i probably started doing more yoga when I got to college just because there were some people interested in it and there were some classes at the gym. Um, I had, there were a couple things that I used to always like scoff at my parents for doing. Um, tennis was one of them. They wanted us to be in tennis lessons as kids. Um, and I did take some tennis lessons, but I always seriously disliked (laughs) tennis. Um, and I'd sort of be play goofy and hit the balls too hard or up on the roof of the, um, uh, house that was in between the two courts or whatever. And, um, like didn't want to because that was a sport that they were doing and I wanted to do my own thing. Um, and the other thing was um, my mom doing yoga and my mom has done yoga for so long that um, there is a yoga teacher <laughs> here in town that remembers me um, in elementary school sitting under the table in the corner of her yoga studio, like watching kids movies on a laptop while the class was going on like we had headphones in but we were just sitting under the table because we wanted to be out of the way um but since then (laughs) I have actually seriously started doing yoga um not tennis um uh but so I probably started doing more yoga once I got into college um and then sophomore year of college or freshman year I guess I had decided that summer that I was going to train for a marathon. Um, I had been running longer distances and um, continued to enjoy um, f- running farther and farther. And I trained all by myself to run a marathon. Um, oh, yeah. So wait, when did I start running barefoot? Oh, my gosh. Wait, <laughs> hang on. Uh, let's go back a little bit because... Before I decided to um, train for my marathon, I had started running barefoot or with um, sandals. Um, So that started in high school. I got um, significant tendonitis in both of my knees um, and was not allowed to run anymore for several months. Um, It was very, very painful. And I, you know, remember like even being in pain, lying in bed. Um, and at that point I read the book, uh, Born to Run by Chris McDougall. And that's a book that I still try and read every single year because it, um, just encourages me to get back out and out running again. Um, and so that convinced me that the way that I was running was wrong. Um, I had always been running with, you know, sort of Nike or, um, Saucony shoes that have, um, significant heel padding. And as I was healing from tendonitis, I went out on grass fields and ran barefoot for short distances and on concrete and ran for short distances, putting on my shoes if I needed to. Um, and I did a very slow adjustment period, which is something I re- always recommend for people who are doing barefoot running. Um, yeah, so I was running completely barefoot or with um, homemade uh, Harache sandals, like the native Mexicans do in Chris McDougall's book. Um, so I trained for a marathon with just those. Um, 
And so I ran my marathon, um, again, my sophomore year of college. Um, I was also super depressed my sophomore year of college and running definitely was an escape again for me. Um, uh, I ran my marathon in five hours and 59 minutes. It was definitely a slow marathon, but it was also a very hilly uh, marathon. And I ran about 24 miles of it completely barefoot and put my um, sandals on for the last two miles of the marathon. Yeah. And sort of what I'm doing now, um, I'm a couple years off of graduating from college. Um, I um, picked up doing Ashtanga yoga in college, um, which is a very specific set practice of yoga. Um, and, you know, in my lulls of running, generally during the winter, I would be doing more Ashtanga yoga. But now I am just trying to find a balance between running um, and not going overboard with running and hurting myself, doing some yoga, and I'm now lifting weights and just sort of doing a general full body weightlifting session, maybe two times a week, just so I am, you know, keeping my fitness level up. Like I want to be able to leave the house and run three, four or five miles, do an hour of yoga, do a half day of hiking, bike to work, whatever I need to without it becoming like an obsessive practice. Um, and just sort of finding a, me a, a good mental balance of fitness and the rest of my life and relaxation and all of that, but keeping it still pretty front and center, if that makes sense. Um, and the question that I ask everybody um, in a different way, of course, or at least I try to get a gauge from it, is do I feel my experience in fitness is different as a queer woman? I certainly didn't. I didn't. So I didn't come out until college. Um, and then only to a few friends, and then I didn't come out until my parents or more people until uh, two and a half years, three years ago. And um, so I wasn't sort of like outwardly portraying my queerness through my fitness journey, I guess. Um, but I have always been a person that rejects the norm and does <laughs> whatever works for me, I guess. Um with barefoot running or with um, an, a yoga practice that most studios don't teach and that I have to practice on my own and, and gauging my own intensity and um, whatever, you know, what works for me. And I've always prided myself on being somebody who's strong. Um, and I think that started in, I know that started with my gymnastics that I was in general more, you know, I could do monkey bars, I could do whatever, especially upper body strength than a lot of the other girls that I went to school with. Um, uh, and then in high school, you know, I'd be the kid that lifts like four chairs to put away the band classroom instead of the normal two or whatever, um, that I was, I was strong and I, and I didn't want to hide that for, in favor, in favor, I didn't want to hide that in favor of my femininity, you know? So, and I, I think that continues in a way to my queerness, not that it is wholly because I'm queer, but it's in the same vein, if that makes sense. And that in a way, like me being bi is just a part of figuring out myself and that all of these things that have led up to it were figuring out what's the best thing for me and not necessarily following 
um, what everybody else is doing. So, and then since starting the podcast, I feel like I also don't know (laughs) how much my fitness is different as a queer woman. Um, I certainly have a broader view as I've, as I've gotten older in the past couple of years of what fit and healthy and all of that and, and what bodies look like that through this podcast, I, and, and Instagram and all of this, I, my mind has been opened up so many different options of what can be fit and what can be healthy and what is fitness and, and that, the same thing that I'm talking about doing what works for me as a queer woman or doing what works for me queering the fitness industry is the same for so many other people that it, that, that it then can look as different as humans look what fitness is to everybody else. Um, and that is so beautiful. I think, yeah, my fitness is different as a queer woman, but it's also not different as a queer woman. And, What's even more different is my view of what everybody else is doing, you know? Yeah. That's about it for this week. Um, I am so grateful that everybody listens to this podcast. Um, again, I didn't expect to have frequent or engaged audience. Um, you can follow me, the Queer Fitness Podcast, at Queer Fitness Pod on Instagram. Um, my personal Instagram is at Elise C. Seifert. Uh, you'll just see my face and some of my compositions and my cats. Thank you so much for listening. To show your support for the show, visit patreon.com slash queerfitnesspod. With three different tiers, anyone can become a patron. There's bloopers every other week, bonus content from every episode, and you could have your name on every episode if you become a co-producer. Visit patreon.com slash queerfitnesspod. 